A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 130. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Story Tuesday's conversation with Jesse is so packed and full of stories and lessons that I just have to share it all with you. And that means it comes in two parts. In part one, Jesse shares lessons she learned the hard way about listening to her gut and not ignoring her inner voice. She shares wisdom on vulnerability, how to share your personal story, and when it may be better not to share. Episode 131 part two of our conversation, we'll continue with Jesse talking about the difference between your zone of excellence and your zone of genius. Lessons she learned the hard way about the difference between the two and steps you can take to start tuning into your inner voice and listening to your gut. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. Join me in welcoming Jesse Shuraleff, ex-Googler, solopreneur, founder of the podcast and community This Is My Truth, 
and mentor at the Forum. Welcome back, Jesse. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me again. My pleasure. On Insight Sunday, we covered, oh my gosh, so many things. It's actually hard to put them all back together. <laughs> so many things, including, Jesse, some of your own journey, what it meant to go from being in a place where you were doing for others and not in touch with your own happiness to getting in touch with what lights you up and making that connection about connection, that stories connect us, that sharing connects us, that it's so important to take the mask off and connect with ourselves and others and how in your experience in Google, in sales, in leadership, how important it is to be able to have those stories both for ourselves and then to choose to share the ones that we want to share, which doesn't have to be all of them. It can be the ones that we get to choose. So thank you so much for sharing that as well as parts of your own personal journey that you've been going through as you've been finding, connecting with yourself, bringing more excitement and passion into your life and helping others do that for themselves and be able to connect with their own stories and share them in a way that's authentic, in a way that grows themselves and their businesses. Thank you. That was a perfect summary. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. It can be a lot to hold on to. And there's so much more there. So I really encourage you listening, if you haven't, to go back and listen to that, because you'll find that every bit of that just has so much rich depth of experience, detail, and wisdom. So thank you again, Jesse, for that. And I also wanted to give you a bit of an intro. So for Story Tuesday, we dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons so that we can all learn from them. And I wanted to start with one of your most memorable lessons. Can you bring us into a moment of a learning experience? What happened before, after, a key takeaway? Yeah, so I, I've been thinking a lot about what moment I want to share because I have a lot of them. But I think what I want to share is actually a moment where I shared something in a large group. So at Google, we would do offsites which were ironic because they were always like within our offices, but we would get like the whole team together. And when my team has always been remote, so I sit here in Chicago and my team has typically been in San Francisco and New York. So we'd get everyone together. Usually we try to do it at a Google office that like no one was at so that we'd explore a new city. And so I got asked to lead and facilitate a session around allyship and microaggressions. And in doing so, I wanted to share, you know, an example of what a microaggression was like for me. And I shared a situation that I am still unpacking for myself. And it was the wrong time. It was because I was still unpacking it for myself, because I still am not comfortable necessarily with like the full story and all of the reflections on it, it came across as like, it felt flat. It was, it totally felt flat. And it was something that was like very personal. And in reflecting on, you know, why I shared the moment, it was a few things. One, I walked into the presentation completely unprepared. Like I got asked to do the presentation very late. And so I was like scrambling and the person who was going to do the presentation was also share, was supposed to share something really personal. And so I felt compelled that I also needed to share something personal, even though I really didn't, right? Like the only person putting that parameter on the presentation was me. And I thought it would have sort of a reaction. Like I was sharing for a reaction versus sharing for like my own benefit, which is 
exactly the opposite of what you should be doing when you're sharing a story since learned, right? And, you know, I think back on, I can't remember what book it is, one of the Brene Brown books, it might be Daring Greatly, where she talks about your vulnerability isn't for everybody. And that was, I took like the exact opposite approach (laughs) in this situation. I was like, I'm just going to like blurt this thing out. And it just like fell. And I've learned a lot since that, right? Like part of my entire platform is obviously around connection, but authentic connection. And so when you sent this question ahead of time and I was like, which of the many lessons am I going to talk about? I wanted to talk about this one because I think so often I get asked like, what story should I share? And I go back to this moment where I was just sharing to share versus actually being thoughtful about why I was sharing, how I was sharing, did it feel aligned? It did not, like I should not have done it. And it felt flat and talk about like a vulnerability hangover. It was like a vulnerability Mm -hmm. hanger hangover. In addition to then like the berating, like my inner critic, right. was like, why did you do that? And Mm -hmm. so it actually ended up being like a bigger thing than if I had just gone with my gut and either shared a different story or just said like, you know, just because the person who was supposed to present was going to share a story, I don't need to at this moment. Hmm. So I'm hearing that in this particular experience for you, there was a raw, unprocessed story or piece of yourself that you hadn't yet fully connected with or made sense of. And then sharing it wasn't about sharing a story for yourself or in a way that felt it was aligned with the purpose of the presentation. It was more about sharing something because the person before you was going to do something like that. And it was because you needed to figure something out to share that was personal. And I wonder, I don't know if it's the case, but thought occurred to me. I wonder if there was a part of you that it may have in that moment said, well, if this is raw and unprocessed for me, that this is what it means to share something personal or vulnerable. And I wonder that the thought I think occurred to me because I think for many of us, when we think about disclosure, when we think about sharing something personal, we think about it as being raw, unfiltered, and in a way, maybe even unprocessed or not yet fully understood as if by sharing it somehow other people or ourselves are going to magically make that better or it's going to resonate. Whereas what I'm hearing is that what you learned is the importance of being intentional, the importance of recognizing what you're sharing, what the reasons are for sharing. And in that intention to then ensure that if you're sharing something, it is something that you are willing and ready to put out there and that you're not just putting out there for someone else to do something with it in a very particular way. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I don't know if I've ever thought about, you know, the reason why I shared in that light before, as you just said, like the raw way, but that really struck a chord with me. Like when I think about what I was supposed to quote unquote, like supposed to be doing versus what felt right. Like, that felt like what I was supposed to do. Like it felt like I needed to inject something in there that like was supposed to like create something for the audience. What it ended up creating was the exact opposite of what I wanted, right? Like ideally it would have created connection. Ideally it would have like created a tangible example of like microaggressions and what allyship should look like. But it actually had the intent, like the opposite effect, right? Like people were so like, 
and myself, like I was so uncomfortable that then the rest of my presentation, like just fell flat because everyone was still like thinking about that, basically that bomb that I had dropped. Mm. Yeah. As you say that, I'm really struck by two things you juxtaposed, which we talked about and you shared on Insight Sunday. It was what you felt or thought you were supposed to do mm-hmm. as opposed to what felt right. And it reminds me on Insight Sunday, you talked about how so much of what drove you was what you thought you were supposed to do and doing that for others. Mm-hmm. And that your own internal process of And I think so many of us relate to it. I will raise my hand and say me personally also of putting emotions in a box and not paying attention to them, kind of locking and pushing them away that I'm hearing that that was perhaps present in that moment. Yeah, I think it was. I think it very much was, right? I mean, when you sent this question across, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have thousands of mistakes that I've made, right? Like, Don't we all? And here's the thing, right? I think, which is interesting. Like I was at Google for 13 and a half years. I have seen the evolution of the company. When I first started, one of the core principles of the company were launch and iterate. Like we celebrated failure because failure is how you learn. And fast forward 13 and a half years and like maybe an end that still exists. But in sales, I can tell you like as much as we tried as a sales leadership team to sort of infuse, like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. Like the bigger message, like the message coming down from above was that it wasn't okay. And, mm. or at least that's how I interpreted it. And I think that's just so true in life, right? Like I look at my kids who are in a preschool here in Chicago and like my almost five-year-old will come home sometimes and she'll be like, I'm such a failure. And I'm like, who's teaching you that language, right? Like it happens so young where when we make mistakes, it's viewed as bad, right? Like what I'm trying to teach my kids and what I'm trying to teach myself, right? Like I have to unpack all this for myself too, is it's not that it was quote unquote bad. It was a learning opportunity. And what can we learn from it? And how do I grow and get better? And I think that's the approach that I've taken this leap of leaving Google and thinking about entrepreneurship. Like, I don't know about your experience, but like, it's a bit of a mind F. Like, at least for me, it's been like, I've left this like very corporate structure that I was there for 13 and a half years. The only glass ceiling is the glass ceiling I'm putting on myself, like with my own limits, right? And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot to unpack. Like a lot of my stuff is coming up in, in the past few weeks. And... That's one of them. Like this notion around it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to put something out there and like not have anybody sign up. Like it stinks. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal. It hurts your ego. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Miserable. It's painful. Right. But once I get like all of that out, it's then it's like, I can see my mind starting to shift and it's happening faster for me. Mm. Like it used to take me months and now it's a few days if it's like a bad downward spiral, but it's like, okay, like, how do you take that? Like, what didn't work? What didn't resonate? Like, why do I think this wasn't working? Like, who was I speaking to? Was I speaking their language, right? Like all those questions you then ask yourself to learn, Mm -hmm. like to steal a Google term, I guess, like you launch and you iterate, like you rinse and repeat, you learn from your mistakes and you keep moving forward, knowing that your stuff is going to come up, knowing that like you are going to make mistakes and that's okay. 
I'm curious, like, does that resonate with you? Like, have you also experienced something similar? Am I just by myself? (laughs) Thank you for asking. So I don't often get asked questions like this on my own (laughs) podcast, which I love to answer. I'm very excited to jump into that. I think when it comes to leadership and business, I believe it was before we were recording that one thing we were talking about is, or maybe it was on Insight Sunday, how children, their one job is to learn. And the way they do that is by pushing every button they see. So when it comes to being a parent or a caretaker or even a sibling, well, guess what? All those buttons are getting pushed because that's a kid's job. And when we launch a business, when we're an entrepreneur or we're leading a business, guess what? It's all about learning. And those buttons are going to get pushed. The business, our people, they're going to push our buttons. We're going to push all the buttons. And a lot of the buttons are going to fall flat. And so what that leads to And I will say this personally, I have encountered at least once every six to eight weeks. And I say that because I've been tracking it a little bit. I love that. At least once every six to eight weeks, I hit this wall and it's an emotional wall. It's a mental wall. It's an adaptation or adaptability wall. It's something needs to change or something isn't working or something internally is shifting. I'll give an example. At some point it was by day I do psychology. I'm a psychologist and I do podcasting and my own business and coaching when I'm not doing my day job. And what that meant for me was at some point I was working until six and seven and eight o'clock at night. And I also, it's important for me to have time for myself. And it's important for me to connect with my wife and to have our relationship. And at some point, what came up was it was squeezing the life out of me because I wasn't having enough time for myself and I wasn't getting enough sleep. And I was trying as hard as I can to be there with my wife and for her and all of these other pieces of it. And it just wasn't working. And it took me And I kept doing it for a while and slowly the feelings showed up, right? They start, and you said this, I believe on Insight Sunday, they start by whispering and then they start talking and there's a conversation and then if and when, and I think it's more when than if, because it happens, I think to all of us, we ignore it. It starts to scream, like the volume goes up, which is not that different when we're having a conversation with a loved one (laughs) or with a business partner or with our direct manager or a direct report, right? That as we don't get seen or heard, or in the case of our emotions, my way of looking at them is their job is to help us with our wants, our needs, our goals, our dreams. So if we're not listening to them, but they're trying to help us with those things, in my case, it was my need for personal time, my need to stop work, my need to connect with my wife. And when those needs aren't getting met, well, it's going to start to whisper. And if I don't listen to it, well, it's going to raise its voice. Like, in any relationship. If I think I don't have a relationship with my own emotion system, I mean, as a psychologist, I learned this kind of (laughs) in training, you know, it's something that I pay very close attention to. And I don't think I'm any more or less susceptible to it than the rest of us. It reminds me of Tasha Yurik, her book, Insight. 85% of people, if you ask people, are you self-aware? 85% of people will say, I am self-aware. And then if you test them, 15% of people are. And it's really easy to say I'm self-aware. I have come into a place where I say, I work towards self-awareness. I have no clue if I'm self-aware. In fact, I'll tell you, every eight, six to eight weeks, I find out there's something that I have not been self-aware about that I really need to tune into because I was paying attention and it got louder and louder. And at some point, my goal in the long term is to listen to it so it doesn't have to do more than whisper. I love that. I absolutely love that. There's so much that I can resonate with in what you just said, right? And that, well, one, I'm glad that I'm not alone in understanding that. But like, I think that 
you use the word adaptability. I think about pivot, like, and I, don't, I think that's maybe just a similar thing. language. I mean, I think um, it, it gets at something very similar. And so it's funny because when my husband and I started to have conversations about me leaving Google and sort of taking a year to like explore things that made me happy, him and I are very different and it works. Like we complement each other, but like very different. Right. And so he was like, well, where's your business plan? And I was like, I don't have a business plan. Like I'm going to sort of throw spaghetti at the wall and like see what sticks and see what feels good and like lean into things that feel good and get rid of things that don't feel good. And he was like, I don't understand. And I share this because when I then took the leap, it was interesting, right? Like I put on LinkedIn that I was leaving Google and here's what I was thinking about doing. And I started getting all of these people reaching out to me and I started getting like consulting offers and jump on a call for an interview, like all of this stuff. And I'm the type of person who I still have a hard time saying no. And so I said yes to some things that looking back now, I should have said no to. And again, it was like, it took that, like the whisper to a talk to like the, and maybe it was, it it probably stopped a talk this time versus like an actual shout. But like, I think that for me, when I made this leap, like, I guess a lesson that I also learned was I've been thinking a lot about this. Like I've been so reliant on my zone of excellence, right? And zone of excellence are like the things that are uniquely within your skill set that like you're very good at compared to others. For me, that's like sales, that's marketing, like building relationships with people. And then there's your zone of genius, right? Which is like the things that you're really good at, but it also gives you passion. And I think so many of us like live within our zone of excellence thinking that it's our zone of genius. Like I know I did. And so what I found was that when I left Google, my goal was to lean into my zone of genius. But what I ended up doing was continuing to say yes to things that were in my zone of excellence because they were easy and it was comfortable. Mm. And I knew I could quote unquote, make money doing it. And so what that did though, was it allowed me to run away from my zone of genius, right? It was my excuse. And Mm. so that's been something that like, I would say over the past like three weeks has like really come to light for me where I was like, I had a friend just point blank ask me, she's like, why are you saying yes to these things? Like, you don't like it. And I was like, oh, (laughs) you're right. And so there's two things there, right? Like sometimes you need community. Sometimes you need to surround yourself with people who are going to call you on your BS and help you see things that you can't see. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, you know, for me, as I've made this leap, it's, it's really easy to sort of stay within your zone of excellence, like stay within what feels comfortable and easy. But my husband said to me, he's like, you could have just stayed at Google. Like if you're going to be doing these things, like you'd make more money if you stayed there and like, you're doing the same thing. So like, why did you do this leap? And so something for me that I've had to be really cognizant of is like, you know, checking in with myself and saying like, is this actually what I want to be doing? Or am I just saying yes, because Mm -hmm. it's easy to do so. Yeah. So the importance of slowing down and listening to the voice that's whispering before it needs to raise itself to talking or yelling. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I wanted to, if it's okay, add one other thing to that. I think when we ignore the voice and we only really hear it or it only really actually sinks in when it's yelling, it's really easy to look at that voice and think about that voice as our enemy, as a thing that's harmful or difficult or painful. Whereas when we slow down and start to listen to it, even when it's whispering, we can recognize that it's our best friend. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We talked a little bit about this in the previous episode, but when I hit that 603 moment, when I finally admitted that I wasn't happy and then had to like start to unpack things, I remember like coaches and like my therapist being like, well, like, what is your inner voice saying? And like being like annoyed. <laughs> like I was like, what do you mean? Like, what is this inner voice that you keep talking about? Like, and it wasn't a concept. Like I knew I had a gut and I relied on my gut a ton in business, but was I relying on my gut in like my personal life? Like, absolutely not. Mm. Your gut was in the service of others. Yes. Ooh, I never thought of it that way, but yes. Yeah, it was. And that was hard, right? To again, like unpack and have to like recalibrate and pivot and adjust and adapt to recognizing that you're right. It has a purpose. It's not there to like derail you. It's there to help you on that next step. And for me, I had to be willing to like surrender to that a little bit. And that was hard. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 